Open your Bibles with me to Psalms 133. The Lord has a word for you tonight. Psalms 133. I want to talk about what you're called to do. Your calling. Did you know God has a calling on your life? I think many times we intellectually assent to it, we acknowledge it, but we need to live in it. You're here for purpose. You're people of destiny. Tell your neighbor, I'm no accident, neither are you. Amen. I know we say things like that, but it's sometimes it's high time to believe it. God has us here for, for purposes that go beyond our understanding. I remember uh picked up a biography of uh Ronald Reagan one time right in the bookstore and just you know how you pick up a book and just kinda look at the front to see what what it is and you might read the first couple pages, you know, the the preface or something like that. I remember just reading two or three paragraphs of the preface of a biography from Ronald Reagan. And I, I don't remember everything, but just to paraphrase, he, 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 he begins it that he's standing in front of a mirror. He's in Switzerland and he's tying his tie on, on a particular morning, looking in the mirror, looking in his face. And he realizes this is the day I was born for. And then he, and then he went out and gave us, met with Gorbachev and, and then later gave a speech tear down this wall which changed the shape of our world as we know it and I and I thought when I read that isn't that powerful that he knew you know maybe there was a little hyperbole there a little bit of inflation in 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 that but I think we need to really come to grips with this are we people of destiny or are we not do we believe that God has called us do we believe that we're here for purpose? And are we committed to fulfill the purpose for which God has created us? Amen. A couple of weeks ago, I made a statement just kind of come out of my heart. But, the, but as I listened to it, you know, it's fun when it comes from the Spirit. You know, it's not you, you know. But, but when it came out and I heard, I heard it, it really registered and it reverberated. It echoed in the chambers of my heart. But it came out of my spirit and I spoke it out. And that was this. I don't believe Jesus could die until he said it's finished. Boy, that just, that just grabbed me. You know, Jesus came to do something. And when he got it done, he didn't hang around. And he got it done in three years. I don't know about you, but I've been at my ministry longer than three years. That, he got it done. Amen. And, and, but when he said it's finished, it was. It wasn't to be continued. No, he, he, he did what God called him to do. Boy, don't you want to go out like that? Knowing I, I, I'm done. We, we could talk tonight about the promises to long life. But one of them is to satisfy you and show you his salvation. Well, part of that salvation is, is not just a ticket to heaven, but the purpose for which you were born again in the earth. 
Hallelujah. Amen. So here in Psalms 133, one of the first things you'll recognize, and I'll get ahead of myself before I read it, but I want to impress it upon you. One of the first things you realize, well, maybe it's not the first thing you realize, but you can't escape it, is that when you're born, you're born into a family. See, a lot of times, especially in American Christianity, and we're a strange breed, we, 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 we like to emphasize independence sometimes a little bit too much. I know I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost, and He lives in me. But the Bible also teaches that we're the temple of the Holy Ghost, and He lives in us. And I don't know but what, I, I, I don't know anybody that wasn't born in a family. Now that family might not be together and might not be godly, but you had a father and you had a mother. Amen. And when you're born again, you're born into a family. Somebody, a lot of people say, well, I need to find a church. You're in one. You, you need to keep your radar up, you know. Somebody, there used to be a little button. It's kind of funny. I think it came out of the Methodist church. Go to the church of your choice. Boy, if there wasn't another bigger life from the pit of hell than that, I don't know. You go to the church God puts you in. Hello. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Say, so, well, some people ask me, how do I know where I belong? Well, usually if your mail's delivered there, that's your home. <laughs> I always liked that. There's one fellow, he used to come, he says, I don't even want to be here, but every, every time I come, you preach right at me. I said, well, you know, if your mail's getting delivered there, this might be your address. Amen. Well, like I said, I'd get ahead of myself. Psalms 133, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Now, that's a whole lot more than not fighting. It's a whole lot more than being free from strife. Unity isn't just an absence of strife. It, it's, it's something higher than that. Oh, it, it is an absence of strife. But it's also working together. It, it's also living together. It's also moving forward together. It always amazed me how even sinners can get into unity if they have a goal. I played football and, and, and half of the team didn't like me and I didn't like the other half. But put us on a football field with a clear goal and, and, and you'd have thought we'd die for each other. Unity is amazing. And you might be fighting in the locker room, but as soon as you walk out on the field, there isn't any fighting because you, you're, you're, you're focusing on that goal. See, unity will carry you places. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious ointment. This is the anointing he's talking about. It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down the skirts to the skirts of his garments. So here we have the anointing that Moses poured on Aaron's head and it went down his beard and then it got onto the clothes and it went all the way to the skirts of his garment. People ask, how come Pastor Dale pours oil? Well, there's one reason. Now, you can, you can run your references 
And when Moses did this to Aaron and to his sons, it makes an interesting statement. And the anointment, the anointing is not to touch the flesh. Oh, I like that. To me, that just carries prophetic significance. The anointing and the flesh don't mix. No, the anointing goes on the head, down the beard, all the way, where to? To the skirt, the uttermost part, the skirts of the garment. See, it doesn't matter where you fit in the body here at Church of the Word International. The anointing that God poured out on this, this church covers all of us. You missed another chance to shout. Amen. It's the same anointing. And it covers all of us because we walk and we work and we live in unity. And boy, that's good and pleasant. Amen. Well, we could get off a, 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 a little bit. And again, there's so much that you could preach. We could go right to Acts chapter 2 and, and see what unity will do. See, those disciples, when they got into the upper room, they weren't just free from strife. They were focused on a goal. Jesus told them, don't go into all the world until you have power. But boy, once you get the power, get into the world and do everything I've told you to do and everything I've showed you to do and, and, and multiply and multiply and make disciples. And they got into that upper room in unity. And how many of you know that unity caused a breakthrough in the spirit and the Holy Ghost was poured out with an anointing that went on the head and down the beard and to the uttermost skirts so that even the guys that were just feeding the poor in the tables, you know, the ones, what what, what did they call it? Uh, 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 they, they called it City Gate or something like that. I, I, I think it's right there in the book of Acts. They were, they were feeding the poor. Yeah, it's City Gate right there. Isn't that, isn't that, maybe I'm getting things confused. But here they were doing what God called them to do to feed the poor and all of a sudden miracles started breaking out. You want to know why? Because the same anointing that came on the head on Peter and, and on the other 11, that same anointing went down the beard. And, and, and But you don't want it to touch the flesh because that will short things out. Amen? No flesh, no glory. Get the flesh out. Amen? And it went down to the very, very skirts. So that these guys, they weren't apostles, but they're out there casting out devils. They're, they're out there being translated. <laughs> Glory to God. I don't mean from, from Greek into Hebrew. I mean translated from one geographical spot to another. Whoo! Glory to God. That's power. Amen? And, and it's because they're, they were walking in their purpose and in their call hooked up to the body. See, your, your purpose in your call isn't alone. You have a purpose with a people. People need you. Did you know people need you? I'll never forget that. A lot of times we think, well, I need this, I need that. No, people need you. Tell your neighbor, people need me. See, you're not quite as bold about that as the other things. No, you're needed. People need you. One of the things I don't I don't like about the American church, you know, you spend a lot of a lot of your time staring at the back of somebody else's head. You, you, you know what I mean? You you might feel like a number. You're not a number. You're not just a, a warm body to fill a seat. 
Uh, no, people need you. Hallelujah. And we thank God for you. We celebrate God's purpose and call. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, go with me over to Ephesians chapter 4. I remember I was uh, 16 years old. And uh, I, don't, I don't mean to be rude, but it's just, you know, it's biblical. Uh, God, God judged my pastor and killed him. And, uh, well, that's the words in Corinthians. If you uh, destroy the temple of God, God will destroy you. And uh, I saw that. That's how I met the Holy Spirit. And then I got filled with the Holy Ghost a week later. And see, I was uh, uh, living with a crazy woman, my mother. She had gotten filled with the Holy Ghost and was 24-7 the Word of God, you know, and, and listening to uh, Kenneth Copeland and Kenneth Hagin and Charles Capps and Fred Price and all these other people. I don't know if you haven't heard of them. You need to find out who they are. But uh, she drugged me to this meeting in Pittsburgh. And I shouldn't say drug because now I'm filled with the Holy Ghost and I'm as crazy as she is. And uh, I always laugh at people they don't want to attend our church because people might think you're crazy. But uh, they already think that about you. Just jump in. Amen. It's good and pleasant. Amen. So my mom took me to this meeting at the Soldiers and Sailors Hall in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I don't remember the woman's name, but it was a woman preacher. And now you got to understand that that's radical. Coming from a Methodist to go listen to a woman preacher. I don't believe in women preachers, and I don't even know why. But, but it's because I was raised up in this Methodist church. And this woman uh, had been discipled or brought up under the ministry of Catherine Kuhlman. And so she dressed like her, walked like her, and talked like her, and kind of floated across the stage. I don't even know how they do it, because I can't do it. <laughs> That's right. and, and she preached the gospel. And I sat there listening to her, and I suppose it was good. I don't remember a word she said. And, and I listened to her, and there was probably five, 600 people. And uh, it was a big, big, big place and full of people. All I remember is I was sitting three or four seats in uh, about halfway back. And uh, at the end of her ministry time, she just stopped. And she starts looking in my direction. And finally she points and she says, young man. And, 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 and I, I, I thought she better not be pointing at me. And there was other people thought that, that she was pointing at them. And she said, no, 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 no. This. And then she described what I was wearing. And I'm caught, you know. And she said, she said, stand up and come out, stand in the aisle. And so I, you just got to understand, I'm like, I'm like one week old praying in tongues. And I don't believe in women preachers. And, and uh, I'm standing in the aisle and she pointed at me. And she said, the Lord shows me you're called to the ministry and you're going to preach your first sermon. And I think she said two weeks, three weeks, I forget now. You're going to preach your first sermon. In two weeks. And I thought she's nuts. Now, I, 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 I don't know. I was wrestling with who God is and what this is I'm in. 
and what I've left. Because thank God he pulled me out. But see, the Lord will take you out of Egypt to take you in to promises. But see, she, she gave that prophetic word so that about a week later, we got a new pastor, a new Methodist pastor. And the first thing he did was follow the Methodist calendar. And do you know they have a youth Sunday? So, so he just walks right up to me. I think I've heard him preach just once. And he walks up and says, we're having youth Sunday next week. So uh, I'd like you to speak. This is exactly to the day of what the woman had prophesied. What are you, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? See, I believe that for you. God wants you to know what you're called to do. If you have ears to hear, he's probably told you too much. Oh, yeah. Let me, let me, I know you're in Ephesians, but I'm just going to flow with the Holy Ghost. Is that all right? Go over with me to, let me show you something. First Timothy. Chapter four. Verse 14. Chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 14. Hmm. What does Paul tell Timothy here? Notice this. Neglect not the gift that's in you. Now, now, now I, don't, I, know, I don't think I need to spend a whole lot of time telling you all the scriptures for you. God isn't going to have him telling Timothy something that doesn't apply to you in some form or fashion. Even so much, and you can read it right in the same book, God didn't even talk about muzzling ox, but what it applied to to you. Don't muzzle the ox. That means make sure your preacher is paid because God doesn't even muzzle the ox. He lets him eat, right? So, So he's talking to Timothy. Take it right now. He's talking to you. Neglect not the gift that's in you. Tell your neighbor there's a gift in me. There's a gift in you. See, see, you're not here by accident. You, God gave you purpose. God gave you a gifting. God gave you anointing. God gave you a calling. And what, what did Paul tell Timothy? Don't neglect it. Now, let me just ask you a question. How can you neglect it if you don't know what it is? See, I've found it more more often than not. People know what it is. They're just afraid to admit it. But I know he's so gracious. Oh, come on. I was a 16-year-old kid. and, and, And God had talked to me about preaching. I didn't, I didn't have enough courage to take a step. So what does he do? He brings some crazy woman floating across the platform, pretended to be Catherine Kuhlman and not doing a real good job. But she reads my mail. Well, see, now I can't really escape it, can I? I know he's done that for you. See, and he says, don't neglect the gift. Well, I know I, 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 uh, had it brought home to me not too long ago. We had a, a dear friends of ours, um, the Dumonts, gave their testimony. Jim and Pam uh, married. They, Jim performed the marriage for Terry and I, and he did a good job. We're still together. He tied a double knot. 
And uh, we, we've known Jim a long time. I was, I suppose we were married, and I preached a sermon in Erie, Pennsylvania. The pastor invited me to come up to preach. And, uh, oh, I was probably 20, so still just a kid. And I preached a message and had an altar call for people to be healed. And I remember there were some powerful manifestations. And uh, I, I remember they kept trying to give me the microphone, and the fellow gave me the microphone, and he fell over in the power. <laughs> and uh, it's Kevin Uber's brother. He couldn't stand up. He'd give me the microphone, floomp, fall over. And uh, But while I was ministering healing, I kept looking at Jim Dumont. See, Jim at the time was was going full-time as an evangelist. He had started the church I was preaching in. And then he gave it to the pastor, Kevin Newber, and he won't, because he wanted to go full-time in evangelism. And he had, he had been doing that for two or three years, two, two years maybe, I think. And And I looked at him, and I had a word of knowledge, but I didn't want to give it because I didn't want to give it. And there are advantages of being a redneck 20-year-old. Eventually, you know, I didn't care too much for what people thought about me. So finally, I called him up, and I laid hands on him, and I said, Jim, the Spirit of God shows me that he wants you to start a church, another church. And, and if you don't, you're going to have a heart attack and die. Well, uh, you don't know about that when you're sharing it with him. It sure is a whole lot better after the service when he takes you aside privately and says, uh, you know, God's been dealing with me about starting another church. And, you know, I've already been to the doctor. I've been having heart problems. I said, well, I guess you know what to do, don't you? And so he went and started another church. See, the devil was trying to keep him from it because, oh, that's divisive. You know, you're gonna have you're gonna have strife. You can't do that. Listen, God is He can't hold you accountable for anything, but what He tells you what it is. And you're not neglectful, but what you know what it is. And in my experience, I found out people. People generally know more than they want to let on. But when it's tough, he'll send some crazy 20-year-old kid who doesn't know nothing to read your mail just to give you that comfort that you're not crazy yourself. And so he went out and did it. I found it to be intensely interesting that that 30-some years later, he made a decision. He's done. He's done what God called him to do. Now turn it over to a young fella. Turn the church over. Have a new pastor. Took a walk, and his heart sprung a leak. Is one of the, what they called a widow maker, and he fell over dead. And you all know the story. He was dead at least thirteen minutes, and, and God brought him back from the dead. Hallelujah! I, I'm I'm just putting my two cents in there. I don't care what people think. I, 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 I think God brought him back from the dead just as much as, as, as honoring him that he did what God called him to do and he didn't neglect the gift. Gave him a whole new season of life because he didn't neglect the gift. Amen.
I was preaching a couple years ago when we were meeting at the hotel over there. Uh, what's the name of that big hotel? We had the Oral Rob- or Richard Roberts there, the host. Yeah. Well, we we were meeting there for other meetings, you know. And uh, I remember one 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 service. It was a good crowd, you know, several hundred, I suppose. And uh, I saw a guy sitting in the back. I'd never seen him before. I didn't know who he was. You know, it's Lancaster. He's some lots of visitors. We were having lots of visitors back then. But I saw him, and I couldn't get my eyes off of him. And uh, so, so at some point in the service, I called him. I called him forward. And I spoke to him the truth of what God showed me. I said, "The Lord shows me you, 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 you've been, you've been doing the right ministry, but you've been, you've been doing it in the wrong direction. You're like a horse running the race as fast as you can, but you're going in the wrong direction. And you know what you're doing is wrong. You're going the wrong way. And if you don't stop it, you're going to die." He was dead within the year. I, I, I didn't know him, but God knew him. And you know what? Even at that point, God was trying to get him to run the right direction. See, don't neglect what God gives you. I'm telling you, don't neglect what God gives you. Why? Because you get into unity in it, it's pleasant. It's a good thing. It's getting somber in here, and I, I don't necessarily like that, but maybe, maybe he does. Maybe he's getting through to some folks tonight. Amen. I had a, I remember it was in the same same building, that same room. I, I don't believe it was the same service, but there was another elderly minister. Now this one, I knew him, so, and that for me makes it harder. It makes it really hard when you know. It's easy when you don't, because you then you just filter it and you know everything is the Holy Ghost. But when you know them, then you're thinking, well, is that me or is that the Spirit? And you got to kind of. It, it, it's a little bit harder. It's not impossible. Uh, but sometimes then they get offended because they think you're speaking out of your knowledge. Well, if, if that's all you, you trust me for, I guess that's what it is. Can't, can't help you. But, uh, this fellow, I, I, I knew him. I'd had a couple times I'd sat down and had meals with him. Uh, he wasn't really a part of our church, but I, I, I couldn't get my eyes off him while I was preaching. And I was like, Lord, what is it? What is it? And the Lord was weeping sad and the Lord said call him up minister to him and so I did and I, as soon as I laid hands on him I had, I had a word from the Lord that when you were young in ministry I called you to a ministry of laying on of hands of the sick and you haven't you haven't followed it out you haven't been laying hands on the sick and if you don't if you don't uh, uh, use what I gave you, you you're going to die early and I said, Lord, what do I do? And well, there was I gave an altar call for the sick and they lined them up. There was a bunch of them. And I said, I ain't praying for the sick after that. You're praying for the sick. I said, get busy. And I made him pray for that. The boy, afterwards, he came up to me. You know, he was smiling like he was 15 years old. He's an old man now, but he had joy come back into him. And he, he confirmed it. He told me, yeah, yeah, when I was young, the Lord told me I had a ministry to pray for the sick. If God's told you you have a ministry to pray for the sick, it doesn't mean you're Benny Hinn. It means there's some sick person and, and they're still sick because you're lazy. 
See, we're a body. There's a lot of Christians, especially faith people, they don't like to admit that. But I kind of figure Moses had a lot of faith, but he didn't get to go into the promised land. I figure Samuel had a lot of faith, but he had to put up with a king. He didn't want the king, but the people wanted the king. So God gave him the king. And all these people go squawking, how come God gave us Obama? God gave us Obama like God gave us Saul because we're stupid. (laughs) Somebody said, well, yeah, but God gave us Obama. Yeah, he did. Because we're stupid, just like God gave us Saul. It was never God's plan. I mean, it's not that hard to figure out. It's called voting. And whether you like it or not, you're saddled with it because you're in a body. You're in the United States of America in the political arena. But in the spiritual arena, you're you're limited to the body you're in. Why? Because you suffer with them. And when one member suffers, we all suffer. That doesn't mean when one member suffers, we feel bad for them. That's not what it means. Now, I'm not telling you not to feel bad. I'm not telling you to be callous. I'm telling you, though, when one member suffers, we all suffer. But when one member has victory, we all have victory. Glory to God. Amen. So don't neglect the gift that's in you. And and see, there's things in you that... uh, Need to come out. Turn with me before we go to Ephesians. Go over to Colossians. Verse 17. Colossians chapter 4, verse 17. Paul said at the end of his epistle, he says, And say to Archippus, which is King James for Archippus, I got a word for you. Amen. You could take this as a personal prophecy. How many of you know what personal prophecies are? Amen. Say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you fulfill it. I want to bring this, this word received. Take heed to the ministry which you have received. Tell your neighbor, I've received a ministry. I'm going to show you from Ephesians 4 that you have. We all have a ministry. We all have a calling. We all have a purpose. Amen. And he said specifically to Archippus, I don't know why. I don't, we don't know who Archippus is. But we, we benefit from this little word because it applies to us too. Take heed to the ministry which you've received in the Lord. See, the Lord used this verse and just absolutely transformed my, my mind early on because I was trying to build an effective ministry. I was trying to do everything right to make the ministry larger. Reach more people. Expand. And I don't know how, but for some reason I was always reading this verse wrong. I guess if you confronted me, I'd read it correct. But what I drew from it was wrong. Here's what I drew from it. 
here's how I was reading it internally. Take heed to the ministry which you achieve in the Lord. Oh, oh boy, is that wrong. See, you don't achieve ministry. You receive ministry. One of the hardest things for me to submit to is that God dealt with me one time strong on this verse. And he said, what's the difference between, and he named a pastor who was out. He wasn't even in the small town of Townville, population 200. He's five miles outside of that. He was in his 70s. And for as, for, for as long as my grandmother knew, and, as, and, and I met him and received from him, Pentecostal man, He'd had 50 people in that church in the middle of nowhere for as long as my grandmother knew. So what, 50 years? He had this church in the middle of nowhere and was a faithful pastor in the middle of nowhere and was faithful to proclaim the Word of God. And he, and he married them when they wanted to get married and he baptized them you know, when they wanted to get baptized and he buried them when it was time to bury them. He was a faithful pastor. And the Lord said to me, what's the difference between him and Paul Yonji Cho? And I said, about, about 700,000 people. And the Lord said, then how come I count him more faithful than Cho? What if I'd only called him to pastor 30 people and I've called Cho to pastor a million? How are you going to judge it now? Whew. Aren't you glad he's the judge and not me? Right? See, see why? Because it's not the ministry you achieve. It's the ministry you receive. One of the hardest things we've dealt with in Russia because of the poverty. You know, and I've taught in, I guess, it's 16 Bible schools all over the former Soviet. And these students get on fire and you teach them the Word of God for a year and then you send them out in a no man's land where there is no, there are no churches and they'll go out and there, there is no opportunity and there is no money. I, I've, I've been in more than one meeting with pastors that have raised up a group and they're sending them out. And one pastor, I remember him weeping with me because they didn't have, they were sending people out and they didn't have money for shoes, but they were going. I remember one team, they went out, they didn't have any money. They, 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 didn't, they didn't have any place to sleep, so they found that they could work in a coffin factory, and they were working, making coffins, and they got to sleep in the factory. So every night they're sleeping in a coffin. <laughs> and their motto was, a dead in Christ shall rise. Hallelujah. <laughs> and there's a church there today in Jesus' name because they used their faith. But see, what, what happened as the years went by is many of these these guys would struggle in these small places. And they'd say, well, God's called me to Moscow because Moscow's big. Moscow's got more people. Moscow's got more opportunity. Now, let's be honest. Moscow's got more money. And almost to a man, when that happens, they fail. They fail. Because they're trying to focus on the ministry that they achieve Instead of just saying, what do you want me to do, Lord? 
what's the ministry I've received? Because if I've received a ministry in some village in Siberia, that's where I want to be. That's if, if you're telling me to go to the brook Cherith because that's where you're going to feed me, I'm going to go hungry anywhere else because the ravens are going to bring the bread and I ain't there to eat it. But there's something wonderful about going to the small place and God feeding you. Hello? See, we get all poetic. Oh, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Really? I hope it's, I hope it's true. But what have you received? See, I think one of the reasons I was in that achievement mentality is, yeah, it's an American thing. But, you know, there it was in Russia. It's not really an American thing. It's a flesh thing. Right? We all want to, we, we want to be overcomers, you know? We don't want to be obedient. We want to be overcomers. I'll tell you what, if you put the obedience first, you'll be an overcomer. Amen. And uh, no, you know, I, I had it big. I wanted to be an achiever. And God had to cut that out of me. Thank God he's, he's faithful and he's patient. And, and he, he lets you work it out as long as you're moving in the right direction. But you really, one of the main reasons I think you want to achieve is because you're not content with who you are because you really haven't settled your teeth into it, to your identity. Say, this is who God made me. I know this is what I am. See, when you know what you are in Christ, who you are in Christ, what you're called to do in Christ, anything else is a cheap imitation. And you just, you know, you just don't fit there. Why would I want to do that? I don't fit there. Why, why would I want to put on Saul's armor? I, 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 I need to pick up my weapons. Thank God David knew what weapons to run at Goliath with. Amen? So in this issue, it's not going to be what you achieve. It's what you've received. So let's go over to Ephesians and see what we've received. Are you following me tonight? Do you want me to go on or does it hurt too much? No, you want some more? You gluttons for punishment? All right, let's go over here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. He said, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. See, Paul liked that. He'd been put in prison. But come on, this is the guy that prays an earthquake's answer. Not much of a prisoner. Pretty hard to keep him chained down. Amen. But, but he kept saying that. How many of you know he's saying he's a prisoner of the Lord? Because he was chained to the will of God. Amen? I know, you, you know, we can get into the big Calvinist, Arminius debate. Is there a freedom of will? Well, you know, I believe I have a, a free will, but I made him the Lord of my life, so now I don't. Sort of like a husband with his wife on her birthday. <laughs> you got a freedom of will, but no, you don't. Is that theologically profound or what? Amen. So, so I'm a prisoner of the Lord. Yeah, I got a free will, but I'm the one that made myself the prisoner. Amen. So he said, I beseech you. And this is the point, friends. 
Make a study of where Paul begs and pleads and prays and beseeches. Because you can't teach this. You gotta, you gotta choose this. I beseech you, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Did you know you're called to something? He called it a vocation here. Now I don't, I don't think necessarily he was thinking about being a tent maker. Although we know historically Paul was a maker of, he made tents. He was a tent maker. I don't know that he was necessarily talking about being a carpenter. Jesus was a carpenter. I think he was also speaking of the spiritual side of what we're called to as our vocation in the body of Christ. Now that will include being a tent maker. That'll include being a carpenter. Smith Wigglesworth was proud that he was a plumber. Amen? Because we carry the gospel and the demands of the gospel, the requirements of the gospel, the responsibilities of the gospel, everywhere we go, no matter what it is that we're doing. Right? We are the church. Church is not an event on Saturday night. We are the church. Amen. And, and, and thank God for that. But what I want to drill down here is, is in American Christianity, we've put so many of the callings up on a pedestal that we know Billy Graham was called. We know Kenneth Hagin was called. We know this one and that one was called. What an amazing man or woman of God and the call on their life. But we push them up so high. We, we sometimes fail to remember that we all have a call. And it's, and it's valuable. And I need you. I need you. I need you. And you need your brother and your sister. Turn and tell your neighbor, you need me. You need me. Amen. See, we've got to bring ourselves out of this. We, we talk so much about the ministry per se, the preaching, the, the pulpit ministry, that, that we, we've neglected the reality of the body of Christ and the call that's upon us. And I'm telling you, you, you're as liable for what God has called you to do as Jim Dumont was liable to start a church or as that elderly man was liable to, to, to have a ministry laying hands on the sick. Amen. We need to, we need to deal with this then. He says, walk worthy of that calling. Well, he said, don't neglect it. Walk worthy of it with all lowliness. I like, I like how he gets into this with all lowliness and meekness. You know what that means? It means your call isn't any better than mine or your brother's. We could spend a whole t- lot of time in first Corinthians 12. The eye can't say to the ear, I don't need you. The foot can't say to the hand, I don't need you. In fact, Paul said the things that we, we, we think are least uh, 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 appropriate or most least beautiful, we bestow upon them abundant honor. My toes are ugly, but I wrap them in wonderful wool and stick them in expensive shoes. I bestow great honor upon them because with them I put them on the head of the devil. Glory to God. So maybe your calling is to be a callus on the foot of the body of Christ. 
You lucky dog, you get to be on the devil before me. I heard Copeland preach that one time. I thought that was pretty funny. No, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering. Now here's where it gets down to the grit. With long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit. See, this isn't talking just about strife. No, we want the unity of the Spirit. What's the unity of the Spirit? The anointing comes on the head, goes down Aaron's beard, goes onto the the garment, all the way to the uttermost hem of the garment. That's why the woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of his garment. You know what she was saying? I I may be the least. I just need to touch the hem of his garment. She was saying the same thing the woman said. I just need a crumb. Just a crumb that falls from the master's table. Glory to God. See, what our calling is, interplays, is interdependent with your brother and sister's call. We're, We're in this together. And we have to forbear one another. You know what that means? It just simply means learn to put up with it. You know, some people... We'll just simply rub you wrong. I don't know about you. I grew up, I had two older brothers. They rubbed me wrong. We had fights. There's still, well, we sold it and actually it burned down. There, there was a, there was a chunk taken out of the wall, the plaster where I took a, 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 a full, uh, uh, what do you call that? A uh, teapot full of water and chunked it at my brother. If it had hit him, it had killed him. I mean, and it, <laughs> anybody in here ever be in a family where you fight like cats and dogs? But at the end of the day, that's my brother. Now that's just in the natural that was before Jesus came into our family. That's in the natural. Well, you know what? The body of Christ ought to be a little bit like that. And forbear one another because you're different. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you're different. Ain't nobody like you. There ain't nobody like you. And isn't that good? Isn't that good? It blew my mind when Terry and I, Terry started popping out babies. And uh, the first one, he came out ready to, to conquer everything. Man, I'm telling you, I was scared of children after that first one. <laughs> you open up the Dobson little book on child training and you look at strong-willed child and there's a picture of your boy. How'd it get there? I mean, strong-willed. I mean, he didn't just throw rattles out of the crib. He threw them at me. (laughs) And now we got number two on the way, and I'm a little bit nervous. And number two comes along, and I don't know where he came from. He's a little angel. 
he, he just compliant. He was so sweet. Well, I, now his side of the story is he was hiding everything and I couldn't see it, but I don't believe that for a minute. He just was a good boy. After that second one, I'm thinking, man, that is night and day. If they're like him, I'll have 15 of those. <laughs> so then number three's coming along. Number three, and, and you just naturally have the thought. It's the third one. Is he going to be like the first one? Oh, Lord. Is he going to be like the second one? Please, Jesus. He is his own man. I'm, I'm, you know, it doesn't take long to figure out. You could have 15 of them and they all be different. And there's probably a Mennonite around here we could ask for verification. <laughs> They're different. And if God will do that in a family, well, he'll do that in your call too. There's nobody like you. I, I, I like having a pattern. I'm a mimic. I'm a, I'm good at mimicking things. I like to have a pattern. But to enter into my ministry and, and what we're doing now, God, that's one of the things God had to deal with me. I brought you to the place. There's no pattern, son. Stop looking. There's no pattern. You will be an example for others, but but this is the unique thing I have for you. Don't be afraid to be who you are. I hate trying to measure up to somebody else's expectations. But if they want to measure it, let them go do it. Amen? You're, you are only going to be liable before the Lord for doing what He called you to do. And when we get hung up that what I'm called to do has to be what Copeland was called to do, I'm going to miss what He called me to do. be easy to do what Copeland's called to do because then I wouldn't have to face me. That's the hard part. Amen? No, we got to forbear one another in love. And part of that is to understand that, that, that we, we're not... Jesus, you're not the answer to every need. Your ministry is not based on need. This is a, these, right there. I could preach for days on that. Most people's ministry is, is somehow centered around the need. Nope. I mean, just go read your Gospels afresh. Jesus was never ministered or, or, or never drawn by need. He'd walk away. Well, Lazarus ain't dead yet. Let's wait till he's in the grave before I show up. That don't go over well in our society. He doesn't care. Well, if that's all you want is me for me to care, yeah, I care. If you want healed, that's something else. Amen. Don't don't let if you let need determine what God wants you to do, the devil will control you. You will spend your life putting out fires, little brush fires. You'll go from one problem to another and you'll never uh, get to the place 
where, where you're ahead of the ball. You're ahead of the game. You're doing what God called you to do. Chap the devil off when you're there. Amen. Well, let's, let's move on. Let's skip down to verse 7. But to every one of us, say that with me, every one of us. Put your finger that. That means me. That means me. But that means you. To every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So I want you to circle that verse, write it out on, a, on, a, on, a, on your paper, do something to recognize that it's not just the Billy Grahams in life that are called. The gift of Christ, for time's sake, you can read it when you get home. The gift of Christ, he goes on to explain, is that when Jesus was raised from the dead, he took captivity captive out of Abraham's bosom and he led this group to heaven. And when he went to heaven, just like Elijah had, had typified by prophetic demonstration, Jesus dropped his mantle on the church, just like Elijah's mantle came down. And Jesus gave gifts to men. That's the gift of Christ. And he gave some, say some. some. That's not everybody. And because he, he just lists them five apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. But that's not, that's not all. The only reason he listed these five is these five were to equip the rest of us. But we're all called to minister. See, you might, you might not be called to be a pilot instructor, a flight instructor. But you, that doesn't mean you can't fly the plane. All you got to do is hang around the, the flight instructor. That's why people that hang around ministry gifts, the anointing gets off on them. And that's one of the reasons generally they hang around them is because there's something they're drawn from. You, you, you ever been around a group of women that spend the last two years going to every Joyce Meyer conference on the planet? They're just little Joyce Myers running around. Do you know that's that's why? It's because there's something in their calling or in their heart that echoed, and they got to get under that anointing. I found out that if I hang around prophets, I prophesy. You hang if you if you're not strong in street witnessing, go hang around someone with an evangelistic call on their life. Why? Because we're all called, but those five are called to equip you. If you spend enough time around the five-fold ministry, you'll have a more balanced and, and even understanding of the anointings and, and how to minister wherever it is that you find yourself ministering. So he gave some, but listen, you're in there. Look at verse 7 again. To every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So first comes the gift of Christ, which is your ministry, your calling. Jeremiah said his calling was in his mother's womb. See, your calling is your purpose in life. God created you with purpose. Then what does verse 7 say? Grace is given to you according to your call. See, if you're called to go to Africa, God will give you a grace for Africa. I've met people, they say, you were in Russia? I said, yeah. 
And they say, oh, I, w- I went there once. Boy, I'd never want to go there. It's just dirty. It's dirty, dirty, dirty. And I'm like, really? I never saw the dirt. Why? Because I have a grace. See, what, what God's called you to do, he gives you the grace to do it. Amen. If God calls you to Lancaster, he'll give you a grace. You sit there and look at Scrapple and you'll say, I need grace. Give me grace, Lord. More grace. But he'll give you grace. You, eventually, you'll even learn how to say it. <laughs> I, I got to get you laughing a little bit because this, this sometimes is hard to swallow. That your call comes first and then grace is added. Now, here's a little clue that'll help you. Somebody say, well, what am I called to do? One of the ways you can kind of lean into your calling is to pay attention to where God's grace is on your life. Amen. See, there's, it's, don't, don't let this be confused with natural ability. You know, there's some people that naturally are good teachers. I'm, I'm sure there's, I'm sure Kelly has met many, many good teachers who are good teachers in the natural. That doesn't mean that's your calling. They might not know the anointing, you know, if it, if, if the Holy Ghost walked up wearing a red hat, said Holy Ghost. But they naturally can teach. You, you gotta kinda watch that. I understand your natural giftings. God gives us natural giftings. But He also gives you a supernatural grace. And if you'll tap into that, sometimes you'll begin to see, uh, oh wow, you know, I, I, I wake up thinking about, I gotta get that food to that family. There's a grace. Because you look over at your do-nothing husband and he's still sawing logs. And there's no grace on him for it. Now you got to forbear. Now I know I'm laughing. We're laughing. But I'm serious. You will see things through the grace of what God's called you to do. Sometimes your mate won't see, your best friend won't see, your pastor won't see. you got to forbear. you got to walk in love. That's why as a pastor, I've, I've, I had to grip my teeth a couple times and say, well, I, you know, I don't see that, but I'm not going to throw a wet blanket on anybody. I help equip you. I'm called to equip you to do what God called you to do. I'm not even called to do what I'm called to do per se, because what I'm called to do is to equip you to do what you're called to do. Does that make sense? Amen. So you begin to follow that grace. Well, how do you, how do you sense that grace? Um, well, it opens up in a couple areas. Let me, let me give them to you real quick. I'm going further than I thought I would tonight, but you seem to be drawing it. Number one, grace leads to a favor of opportunity. Watch for that. Favor of an opportunity. It can, it can lead you into a career. It can lead you into a university. It, it can lead you moving to a new city. It, it, favor of an opportunity. See, opportunity, don't, don't confuse that with just dumb luck. 
I think divine appointments are a good example of this. There's a grace that you meet the right person at the right time who's going to tell you what you need to hear or who's going to open the door that you need opened. What is that? It's grace. Amen? All right? You'll have grace in places. And I'm, I'm talking just geographic places. I know people laugh about it. and They say, well, I just love to go to, to Costco because that's where I do my evangelizing. There's a grace on that place. Milk it. Amen. Because God is, 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 he uses that. There'll be a grace on certain people that, that, like I said, divine appointments become respectfully aware of the beautiful people that God puts in your life. And I'll, I'll just give you a little sage advice here. Discern between the bloodsuckers and the ones that are actually doing something. Because there's a difference. You don't necessarily oil the wheel that squeaks the loudest. You, you can't do that. Again, you'll be led around by the nose. But God's put people in your life that, are, that correspond to that grace. Listen to them. Be a blessing to them. I remember, I'll give you an example. I was uh, invited through a divine appointment. Guy, guy's car broke down. We had lunch. Ended up blessing him. He invited me to Minsk, Belarus. We're over there for two weeks, I guess it was. And we're working with him, helping him set this conference up. Once the conference was rolling, there was all these people came in. And one night I'm going to the meeting. It's probably halfway through the week. And while I'm going in, I, I, I'm, I'm going in through the entrance. I see three black men standing off to the side talking. And I just walked up to him and started speaking to the one guy directly in, in, in English. Oh, I didn't know Russian then at all. And he was just so blessed that I would veer off my course and come over and talk to him. And he said, how do you know I speak English? And I said, I didn't. I just saw you there. I want to bless you. And, and, and shook his hand, and we became friends. He told me his name. Uh, you know, what's your name? Sunday Adelijah. Well, two years later, he moved to Kiev, Ukraine, started a church, asked me to come preach. Ten years later, he's got 10,000 people. Built the largest church in Kiev. And I've always remembered that. You know, all that was, what was that? I just saw a guy, and my heart went out to him. You know, I know that happens to you. I know it does. Just follow that grace. Doesn't happen to everybody. Terry, sometimes, you know, so, somebody will be broke down on the side of the road and I'll just go, vroom. <laughs> he has his cell phone out. He's okay. <laughs> I'm just like the rest of you. But when, when it's in your spirit, no, no. follow that grace. It, 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 he'll lead you. You'll have grace on projects. And the problem here is you got to know when they're done. If I've seen any repeating mistake in people's lives is they think, well, God told me to do this and I'm going to do it until the, until he comes back. 
No, do it till he says, quit. Why? Because you keep going and you'll go broke. I remember I had a radio program and we went, I think, three years, something like that. And we were on two different stations and covering this good section of Northwestern PA in Ohio. And it was just getting to rolling and paid our budget for like six months in a row, which is really good because... We we're having to subsidize up until then. We were in the we were in the the black, and I was in prayer, and the Lord said, "Stop the radio program." Ah, that's stupid. Get thee behind me, devil. No, you don't want to do something without God's grace on it. God tells you, "You're done. You're done. Pack it up. Go home." He's got something else for you. Amen. Number. Another one is your provisions. It's an old saying, but it's really true. Where God guides, God provides. What is that? It's grace. Yeah. I, I, I've gone to the Lord and on, on, on different occasions, and He'll tell you to stretch your faith. I'm not telling you not to do that. I've t- the Lord's told me to go somewhere and I've had no money. I've packed my bag and put it by the door with no money. And, and, and at 6 a.m., some woman comes knocking on the door in her house, house robe with, with uh, the money in her hand. I, I'm not telling you don't use your faith, but you also know when it's not there too. Nah, that's, that's, God can get it across to you. There's no provision. What am I doing wrong, Lord? I need. I usually I need to change something that I'm doing. Stay over in that grace. Amen. All right. Let's close with this. Go to Romans 12, and then we're going to pray. We're going to pray for each other tonight. Let's look in verse four. Romans 12:4. As we have many members in one body, and all the members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Now I, I, I believe in this. I believe in this. I, I, is it, there, was, there was such a temptation early in when Terry and I were pastoring in Titusville, to do church the classical way. You know, and you, we need to hire a youth pastor because you, you just can't have a church without a youth leader. Well, we did for years. I refused to create something that God hadn't put in the body. There were years where I'd go to God and I'd say, if you want me to have a youth ministry in this church, where's my youth leader? I don't see him. I made a mistake once, and Bob Hawk and I still laugh about it. I made Bob Hawk the youth minister. You talk about a joke. You talk about putting a right man in the wrong place. I still call him the youth pastor. I call him on the phone. I said, how's my youth pastor doing? I'm Because... He loves the youth, don't get me wrong, but that's not where he belongs. 
See why? I was under pressure to be classical because you can't have a church without a youth group. Till I realized those youth, those youths, they go to high school and they're getting they're getting geometry and trigonometry and chemistry and they're getting all this other stuff. You telling me they can't understand me? Huh? Youth is Sunday morning in your seat. And so we did that for a long time until God gave us in the body. And then it's sort of like most pastors, if they, if they admit it, they're sort of like those archaeologists. You just go with a little broom. You can't dig with a shovel because you'll break them. You see, you just kind of, some, oh, there's a bone, but I don't know where I connect it. I know there's a bone here. And then, oh, there's an, it's an elbow. And you just go through the crowd and you just kind of brush them off until you see, oh, there's that, there's that spirit of counsel on him. And you just brush it off. Oh, yeah, I know where he fits. And all of a sudden you got a body. But if you ain't got the bone that goes in the youth leader, you ain't got the youth leader. Amen. And not if you're going to do it supernaturally. So we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. See, but when you see it, my spirit just, I don't know, telling on John, but I still remember when John came in the service. Him and, him and Nellie came in just to hear the word. And I don't know, it was kind of long like this and they were sitting right over here. I remember where they were sitting. Because, yeah, because you want to know why? Because my spirit went, ah, there's a joint. No, he wasn't spoken one. He is one. <laughs> yeah. See, and, and I get excited. I, I, Verse 6, having then gifts... Now, this is the Greek word charisma. There's nine of them. Nine gifts. There's enough to go around. The Bible says he gives us severally as he wills. He uses the word several in 1 Peter to talk about Noah. When God saved several people, there were eight of them. I love it. There's nine gifts, but he's going to give me several. And, and, and several in Noah's case was eight. I'm a gift hog. He said, desire them, right? So having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to you. So let's back up. What comes first is your call. You stand on some dock in California and you face up to what you're called to. Your call. Then, when you're honest about it, He gives you the grace. And you follow it. And someone says, hey, could you come lead this Bible study? That's the grace of an opportunity. And you follow it. And something about when you step into it, you get the closer you get to your call, the greater the grace on your life. And when the grace is working on your life, the gifts of the Spirit start popping up like popcorn. Oh, glory to God. 
I got off a plane in Armenia in 1994-93 and I walked out and preached the same boring sermons I've been preaching my whole life. But people started getting healed. And I'm like, what is the difference, Lord? And the Lord said, you're getting close to what I called you to. You get into that call. What My goal tonight is to make you hungry and not go to bed. But what you cried out to God, why am I here? I don't want to die an old man or an old woman and not do what you called me to do. Why am I here? Why am I here? What, what purpose do you want me to play? And you pray, Lord, I'm not looking for things higher than myself. I don't want to, like the psalmist said, I'm not out to find, uh, to, to, to be haughty and to find out things that are too great for who I, I want, I want to do what you called me to do. Why am I here, Lord? Because I want to be faithful in my place. See, I'm so blessed that an old man outside of Townville pastored his whole life and served God faithfully. And I'm not trying to put Paul Yonjucho down, but God used that man and said, I hold him in higher regard than Paul Yonjucho. Boy, that changed my mind. Hallelujah. You get into that grace. Gifts of the Spirit are there for you. They're there for you. Because the Holy Ghost is free to move from the head down the beard. See, you know what I'm talking about. you got a better beard than me. And it's nice. Mine's kind of scraggly. Yours looks good for anointing. That... That oil will go down his beard and it won't hit the flesh, you know. It goes down to the, down to the uttermost garments. We're all anointed. Whoo! See, we want to be, how many of you want to be in that body? Let's stand up on our feet. Did you get anything out of that tonight? Lord God, I close tonight with this prayer and I ask that You'd echo it in the hearts of everyone within the sound of my voice. For those tonight who would say, Lord, I'm not sure, make them sure, Lord. For those that have already repented, there's a few that have already repented for neglecting their gift. I felt it go off like, like the tension in a rubber band breaking while I was preaching. I almost stopped once and rejoiced. I know there's been some repentance because you know you've neglected it. But that's okay. Because now, now you got a free highway in front of you. <laughs> all, all you got to do is pull out a couple of those weeds and it'll grow quick. It'll grow strong. And it'll grow high. And it'll grow tall. And it'll spread. And there'll be people come under the shadow of it. Because they'll say that, 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 that's, that echoes with how God's called me. Sometimes we serve as an example for others to do more. That's a good thing. It's the heart of a father that wants others to do more. It's the heart of a father that can say that 
and it's in this house. Boy, it's the next generation that's really going to get things going. <laughs> Amen. Won't that be great? Won't that be awesome? Lift your hands and say, Lord, it's, I want others to go further than me. I want others to be on fire more than me. I want my children to fulfill their purposes in life. Where I may have been slow, I may have missed it. Not my kids, Lord, not my kids. Lord, wake them up at night. Show them the purpose that you have on their life. I want them to go further. I want them to, to do more for you and glorify you greater. Go on, pray, 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 pray out of your own heart. Lord, reveal to the everyone within the sound of my voice what they're called to do. If you're going to hold us accountable, if it's something I could neglect, Lord, if I don't know, I can't, I can't correct it. I can't improve it. I can't, I can't till the ground. I can't, I can't raise it up. Show us, Lord. Show us our calling, our purpose, our destiny. Oh, I bless you for it, Lord. I bless you. I just give you thanks for those that have already tonight decided they're not going to neglect it anymore. They're going to step up, step up and be bold. They're going to, you get boldness only one way. You pray for boldness. You can't, you can't do mental gymnastics. Ask God for boldness to walk in what he called you to do. Paul prayed for boldness. The guy that prayed and shook the prisons with an earthquake prayed, Lord, give me more boldness so I could speak the way I ought to speak. Lord, make me bold, bold, bold. Paul told Timothy, charge them that are rich. And then he told them what to do. That charge, that, that wasn't a commandment to slap them down. A charge is what you'd give a knight. You'd give him a responsibility. You, you, it was an honor. God, those that you've made rich have an honor to carry out the will of God in ways that others can't. Hallelujah. I'm sorry, I'm over in the spirit to somewhere else. Uh, I don't want to come back. Glory to God. I want to see the mysteries of the kingdom and the glories of the body and the callings, the fullness of the body of Christ coming forth in this day. Who? The anointing of Jesus on the earth. Like that anointing flowing from the beard. Oh, John, let's worship or I'll just keep moving. Can we sing? Yeah, we can. Thank you, Lord. That's the hallelujah. Just lift our hands. Hallelujah. We bless you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
It's not a time to weep or to feel unimportant. It's a time to rejoice. For in the same way they spoke about our Jesus. And if they didn't receive Him, if they did not esteem Him, if they thought Him rejected of God, spitten and bruised, how much more can we rejoice? Don't let rejection settle on you as a curse but wear it as a crown wear it as a crown because you represent him you don't represent yourself rejoice Jesus said when they say things about you I've learned from the best I married a woman that's always refused to be put in a box by tradition. A pastor's wife has more pressure on her than you can imagine. Doesn't she sing? Doesn't she play piano? Doesn't she preach like Gloria Copeland? I'll let you in on a secret. When I asked God for a wife, I asked God, I said, I don't want her to preach like Gloria Copeland. I want a wife. Boy, I got one. She's taught me by example. You be who you are. You be who you are. It's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. And the Lord celebrates you. Let's just lift our hands and praise Him for who we are. He made us. He, he created us. He formed and fashioned us. He called us. He knows everything about us. From beginning to end, He's fit us and we're the only key that will go into that lock. 
we're the only key that can open that door. <laughs> because He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Oh, I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. I want to be faithful to you, oh, Lord. Faithful, faithful to you, oh, Lord. And I'm not going to die till I can say it's finished. <laughs> no quitting early. Ain't no quitting early. You're not allowed to quit. Isn't the Lord good? after me heavenly father heavenly father you're my creator you're my creator you made me for a reason you made me for a purpose i ask you to flood my heart with light that i would know the hope to which i am called why i'm here what i'm to do where I'm to go, what I'm to say. I lay it before you, Lord, that I could be accountable. So show me fully, clearly, what you require. Speak, Lord, your servant listens. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, now, You've been had. <laughs> because he can communicate. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening. We've got fellowship downstairs. One way we love God is by loving one another. God bless you as you go. Y'all look at me funny. No, 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 we're good. We don't have to do that again.
Let's all stand together this evening. I did the good morning to see your reaction. Everybody just kind of looked at me. <laughs> Didn't work. Doggone it. Father, we thank you for this evening. Thank you for this opportunity to come, to worship together, to lift you up, to bless your name, to hear from you. God, our ears are open, our hearts are open. Right now, we just want to give you the glory to your name. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this place, a place where we can come and meet together and fellowship together and worship together. We are so thankful all that you've done for us, God, and all that you will do, we thank you in advance. Everybody said, amen. So you can see Karen's not here tonight to give you your cheerful opener. I'm just going to open for you, okay? So praise God. Let's go. I put my trust in God. He'll lead me. He'll guide me. He's worthy of my trust. He's a good God. Amen. Look at your neighbor say, He's a good God. Amen. Amen. So, I think it's time to dismiss the kids. So we'll let the kids go down. And then while that's taking place, Fellowship with one another. Say hi to somebody next to you. Well, if you could please find your seat. We would like to welcome you this evening to Church of the Word International. Do we have anybody here with us for the very first time visiting? Is that anybody or are we all family tonight? Looks like we're all family tonight. All right. Well, we are going to prepare to receive our tithes and offerings So if you need an envelope for your giving tonight, if you could please just stick up your hand and our ushers will bring you an envelope. And then while they're doing that, I would like to invite Josh up and he's going to exhort you on your tithing and giving this evening. Good evening. So I was reading in Malachi. Malachi, we often use verse 10. Uh, as a tithe message, and, and we'll get to that. But I was reading in verse 8, and it says, Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? But you say, in what, ha- in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, God replies. And so I'm thinking, how can we rob God in our tithes? What is a way that we can rob him? If you read in verse 10, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. So if we are putting our tithe in the offering, expecting for God to open the windows and to pour out the blessing, 
then, then we're actually acting in works because the, the windows are already open. The blessing is already poured out. We put our tithe in, in faith that we receive what's already been accomplished. It was all accomplished on the cross. So if we're putting that in saying, all right, Lord, open these windows. Well, if that window is already open, I can't go over and open it, right? It's open. It's done. So we need to put our tithes in in faith that this has already been accomplished and that we are now in a position to receive. But he also says here in offerings as well, you know, the tithe is is different than the offering, right? They're two totally different things. The tithe is what is rightfully God's. He has given us everything, and he says, I want this back. I want this back in my house. So your home church here, we, in faith, put our tithe in. But for the offerings, you know, have you ever uh, walked up to the grocery line and there's somebody in front of you and, and you have that thought, oh, I should pay for their groceries? Has that happened to anyone else here? Did, did you pay for the groceries? You don't have to raise your hand on that one. Was that the Holy Spirit telling you to be a blessing to that person? Do I always do it? No, not always. So there, I'm, I'm robbing God, right? So also, when you're, you know, you do, we're doing a special offering, and like we are later today, which, which Kelly will uh, be up here for that, but, and you're writing out a check, and the Lord says, add another zero. Do you add the other zero? You don't have to raise your hand. This is a way that we rob God, but it's not, it's not just in the sense that we're not giving something to Him that He's asking. It's we're robbing Him from doing what He so desperately wants to do. What does 1 John, uh, or 3 John 2 say? Above all things, I pray that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So He wants to be, He wants you receiving this blessing, but we have to put our faith in and or our tithe in in faith, and then we need to be obedient when he tells us to give, and the and and the blessing will just flow to you. But it's it's all out of faith. It's all in faith. Does that make sense? All right. So, am I praying over the offering? Okay, I'll pray over the offering. <laughs> Father, thank you so much that you have given us the ability to sow into your kingdom, Father, and that your law of sowing and reaping is always true, that we will reap when we sow, Father. So I ask you to increase uh, our faith in this, increase our uh, storehouses that we can continue to sow into your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, the ushers may pass the baskets. And while they're doing that, we have a couple of announcements to give to you. Um, December is coming, and we have lots going on in December. So please mark your calendars for our annual Christmas party, which will not be held here. It will be held in Strasburg. The address is on the bulletin. So please mark that in your phone or wherever it is that you um, put addresses. And it is going to be on Friday night, December 10th at 6 o'clock p.m. So most importantly is to please sign up. This is going to be a catered meal. You don't need to bring anything unless you would like to participate in the cookie swap that there's going to be. And then you can bring a dozen cookies that are wrapped and ready to swap. 
But please sign up. There'll be sign-up sheets here today after the service in the back and downstairs. So if you have not already done that, please sign up so we prepare enough food for everybody. Also, if you would like to bring your Christmas cards, we will be passing those out for you. So there'll be a basket that you can drop them all in, and then those will be passed out for you. So you can save some postage on that. And also, we're going to be having a special Christmas Eve service here on Friday night, the 24th. So there will be no Christmas Day is actually on a Saturday. So we will not be having our regular Saturday service. The Friday night service on Christmas Eve will be both the regular service and the Christmas service. So please plan on coming out for that. It'll be starting at 5 o'clock, and it will last approximately till 6.30. And there will be no childcare available that night. We want everybody to be able to be in and participate in the service. And there is a nursery in the back that we have here. So if there's anybody that has a young child, that will be open and available for you to take them in if, if you need it. All right. So on that note, it is, as Josh said, it is Missions Saturday. It's our uh, monthly giving, Missions Giving. So if you need an envelope for your Missions Giving tonight, please raise your hand, and our ushers will come around and bring you that. And while they're doing that, I'd like to invite Apostle Dale up, and he's going to talk a little bit about that and pray over the offering and then bring forth the word tonight. So Apostle Dale. Praise the Lord. Giving to missions is one of the most powerful things I think you can do. People want to look for good ground. You know, you're going to invest in the stock market. Everybody studies everything they can to see where they're going to get a return on their money. You'll, you'll never get any better ground or better investment than the kingdom of God. And uh, I really, in particular, always like to remind myself and, and would thereby remind you that the other beauty is that when you give, uh, you don't just bless that mission or that missionary. You get in on the reward. That, that always excites me. Amen. We know we could go into scripture and take a lot of time teaching on this. There's a great story that illustrates it when David was chasing an enemy. And they, they, they needed to leave some of their soldiers back with the stuff. <laughs> and then they went on and they, they fought the battle and they, they plundered the enemy. And so then when they came back, some of the guys that plundered the enemy didn't want to share with the other guys that stayed back with the stuff. You ever felt like you had to stay back with the stuff? Amen. And, and, and all those other guys get to go out and ride the, the white horse and fight the enemy and do the great things and, and praise the Lord for our missionaries. Amen. But when we stay with the stuff, we get a part of the plunder. Amen. That means every soul that's saved. That, that means everybody that's filled with the Holy Ghost. That means everyone that's healed. God puts that to our account that we're a part of that. Amen. So I know you all have different folks on your heart that you give to. The Lord may open somebody or touch you tonight with someone else. We encourage you to be bold in your giving. And, and the Bible says, throw your bread upon the waters. Amen. Seven and eight. It's all right to give to seven and eight. I suppose God would even bless you with nine or ten. And if you, if you spend time with him, it'll even be eleven or twelve. 
Amen. Let's pray. We all ready to give? Father, we bless you. We know your heart that you love the world. You love the world that you gave your only begotten son. So how much more, Lord, that we love the world just as you do. And we'll give in this offering that which comes from our heart. And we give it very specifically, Lord, to empower those that are going. And we give it for the salvation of the lost, that those that have never heard the gospel, while we've heard it time after time after time, Lord, those who have never heard, let them hear. Let them hear and be saved in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. The ushers will wait upon the people and the people will be obedient unto the Lord. Amen. Y'all want me to just go right on into the message? Amen. Well, Pastor Sidney and the family are, are uh, out uh, ministering. They had a, a death in the family and they're at a funeral. And uh, so we, we lift them up and believe that the Lord will minister through them to the family. Amen. It's not only good to know that the Holy Spirit is our comforter, but also that in those times, many times, that's the only time people think about eternity. They think about a decision that needs to be made. Amen. How I many of you know sometimes funerals are the, the best evangelistic opportunity that some people ever encounter? And some people won't even grace the, the door on your Christmases and Easter, but they'll come to a funeral and hear the Word of God. Amen. Amen. So we thank God for ministering through them as they're gone, and I'm sure they'll be back quick and safe. <laughs> 